0: Asia-Pacific shares are trading higher this morning. Tokyo is up half a percent. Sydney and Seoul are in the green as well. Investors are dissecting the outcome of the latest U.S. Federal Reserve meeting, as well as moves in the Chinese tech sector. Joining me now to discuss all that and more is Director of Strategy at the VFS Group, Jack Kuzi, joining us live this morning from Sydney. How are you doing, Jack?
1: Very well, Michelle. I need a haircut Ah. Uh, because all the barbers are closed. (laughs) <laughs> uh, other than that, I'm looking a little bit scruffy But uh, I'm okay I'm okay, uh, I'm okay. How good. are you?
0: I am doing really well I did learn the crucial life skill, you know Of cutting my own hair
1: Really? Well, mm-hmm. That's interesting I'm <laughs> going <laughs> so up and teaching one <laughs> I'll
0: send you some. Uh, I'll send you what I've learned. All right, lots of news on the international and corporate fronts today, Jack. But I want to kick off the discussion with a, a major financial headline from right here in Singapore. After more than a year of restricting payments, the Monetary Authority of Singapore is lifting a cap on the dividends that local banks and finance companies can pay investors. It's a move that that the Singapore economy is on stronger ground than it was a year back. MAS officials are still advising our local banks so to exercise prudence when determining payments. So, Jack, could you place MES's move in global context for us? To what extent is this in line with actions that we're seeing in other markets?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. I think it's taking its lead uh, somewhat from the U.S. bank. So, we just saw a whole bunch of U.S. bank reporting um, out of North America and and very very good reporting across the scale. And they were then allowed to, you know, increase that dividend, which they all had caps on going into, you know, the pandemic. So there was a really big concern about the amount of debt that they had on, on balance sheet, um, what kind of foreclosures we we're going to see in the global economy. So, and they want to ensure that we didn't have another issue that we saw during the global financial crisis where, you know, reserves were you know, were under pressure on the liquidity of these banks. So I think it tells us, Two things. I think mm. the economy globally and in Singapore is on on the recovery, mm-hmm. um, and also that our banks globally are in really good shape. I, I think you know two thousand and the, the two thousand six two thousand seven crisis, you know, made us relook really at our financial institutions, which are the epicenter of our global economy because they allow liquidity, they allow lending, which then allows growth. And so I think this is a really good sign. It's in really in unison with the rest of the world. We started to see the European banks loosen those restrictions on dividend um, in the US. They're allowing them to buy back stock, so I think this is a really good sign of Singapore's health mm-hmm. and the global economy's health and the financial institutions around the world, which our economies are built on. So. A thumbs up, uh, in my opinion.
0: It is an optimistic sign. Here's a follow up though. Do you expect banks will start paying pre pandemic level dividends now? I mean, to what extent should this move be a boost for the sector? Yeah,
1: that's a really good question. I mean, I- I've got to think it's probably bank-on-bank bank proposition. But, mm-hmm. you know, if they can get away with not paying dividends, I'm sure they'll try to and try to reinvest that in growth. I think the one thing that we have to understand about traditional banking um, and banks around the world is they're under a lot of pressure here from innovation and in tech. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of new players coming to the market and a lot of different ways of moving money. Buy now, pay later, payday mm-hmm. lending, mm-hmm. uh, microcredit, you know, Apple Pay, uh, WeChat, Alipay. I mean, you could go on PayPal. So there's a lot of... Square is another really good example. So there's a lot of competition in the financial space. So these banking banking or old institutions who have historically paid dividends because that's what they've done, you know, we might not go back to the good old days because they're going to have to reinvest in growth and innovation. And that's the eight-old question, you know, when an investor looks at a company... Um, The company then looks at a dividend and doesn't say, well, do we reinvest the money that we've made in order to produce more growth and and push the share price up or do we reward our shareholders? So, again, it's it's a proposition. If you talk about these old school retail banks, Mm -hmm. you know, that don't have an investment banking arm, um, like Goldman Sachs that comes to mind, you know, they're under a lot of pressure at the moment. No one's really going into a bank. Millennials you know, don't know what a bank account is or a traditional banking is. They're looking to those new arms. So still a good sector, but certainly their moats are decreasing every day and they're under a lot of pressure from innovation and technology, definitely.
0: All right. MES's announcement came out after the markets closed yesterday. So on this show, I'll keep an eye out on bank share prices for you all this morning. And we'll take a closer look at the Singapore market in a couple of minutes. But first, let's take a look at corporate profits. I want to start with Pfizer. The pharmaceutical company sold nearly 8 billion US dollars worth of COVID shots in the second quarter of the year. That is higher than market expectations. Pfizer also raising its sales forecast for the entire year. In addition to that, Pfizer's CEO is warning that the effectiveness of his company's COVID vaccine drops by more than 80% after six months. Jack, those numbers would seem to make a pretty strong case for those booster shots. So what do you think? And if some, and if people in some countries are getting those boosters, will that lengthen the road to recovery in poorer countries where few people are currently vaccinated.
1: the key, isn't it, now that we're understanding that in order to, I guess, defeat the virus and go back to some type of normalcy, we're going to have to, you know, vaccinate more people. I know here locally, mm. you know, we've been struggling to get back um, the Pfizer vaccine. So there's a bit of controversy around the AstraZeneca. I'm not a doctor, so I don't want to comment on it, but a lot of people want the Pfizer um, this is an outstanding report from a company that moved very quickly um, and you know, built a vaccine and has tried to mass produce it globally. And the share price is starting to reflect in it. I think when we look at vaccine economics and we look at some of these larger companies, just like Pfizer, you know, possibly Johnson and Johnson at some stage, Moderna, is that the, the jab or the vaccine jab is not going to be a one-off jab. We're going to need boosters. Mm -hmm. And what boosters mean is that you're going to need to produce more and you're going to be able to sell more um, as we go along. And I think what we're learning, whether we're in markets or or health, is is this virus isn't going to go away anytime soon. We're going to have to live with it for a long time. And living with it um, in an appropriate way is going to require more boosters and more vaccine shots. So that certainly helps a share price uh, and a company like Pfizer. I guess the antithesis to it, is, you know, is how many more players do we start to get on the market? Mm-hmm. How many more differences do we get? Um, and there's does that decrease? I guess their, you know, their dominance in this type of vaccine booster. But a good report from a great company. We don't necessarily see the share price jump. Immensely, when you know after the news of the vaccine coming out from them, but it has been great, and you're right about it. They they blew apart sales in terms of the vaccine uh, and the the booster. Mm -hmm. In in question to your um, in response to your question about the global economy, I think the Western world here needs to really push vaccines into the Eastern world because we are one global community um, and we are one global uh, economy. So, mm. you know, we can't function properly without the whole world functioning properly. You know, there's mass production hubs in the, in the East um, and the more Absolutely. developing countries. So I think we need a renewed response and a global response. And to be honest with you, as a bystander, it's been a little bit disappointing, mm. but I think we're starting to get into gear and, and the more we get people vaccinated, Uh, Health officials tell us the more we can return to normal. So, you know, I'm a big proponent of that.
0: Yeah, an important point there, how we all deal with waning immunity. All right, there are 165 S&P 500 constituents releasing earnings this week. So there's no shortage of companies to focus on. I'm going to name a couple yeah. that release earnings overnight to get your reaction, Jack, to how they're doing yeah. and what we can infer from their results. All right, let's start with Facebook.
1: What do you think? Look, let me, let me not to, to change the question on you, but let me broaden this for you in the, in the area of big tech. OK, so what we've seen from Big Tech is outstanding results, but not just the outstanding results this quarter, outstanding results quarter on quarter on quarter on quarter. My daughter's favorite book at the moment, Michelle, mm. is Pepper Pig, right? And one of the books, Good Peppa, Peppa Pig does her washing, right? Mm-mm-mm. Now, every time I read this book, it is the same end result. Peppa Pig does her washing, and it's clean at the end of the book. It is the same result on big tech, whether it's Facebook, Microsoft, Google, um, Amazon. They are just blowing it out of the water. I mean, I look at Apple's report, you know, 50% growth in iPhones, double-digit growth in services. You look at Google, YouTube growth, advertising growth. These are companies you do not want to trade. And I'll say this again. Do not trade them own them because they are so well diversified and I'll just talk about Facebook because I know you, you mentioned them specifically
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mark Zuckerberg is made of Teflon mm. but there's nothing that can hurt this guy because the knives were out three to six months ago vendors were going to leave the advertising yet they continue to go from strength to strength and you know, I believe they will continue to go from strength to strength. These are this is not the tech boom of the early 2000s. Don't mistake it because these are well-cashed-up companies, diversified portfolios with fingers in every single pie that you can think of, and there's nothing that's out of their reach. The only thing that can stop them mm. is regulation, which we're kind of seeing in China at the moment. Yeah. Um, but I think I think regulation is a bit of a toothless tiger in the U.S. So Facebook
0: enjoying a massive boost in advertising. Its profits top 10 billion U.S. dollars in the second quarter. But the social media giant is warning that its business could slow going forward. Uh, you, you're yeah. going to have to think through that and square that with that um, comparison that is now emblazoned in my brain. Facebook and Peppa Pig's washing day. <laughs> nice one, Jack. All right, next up, let's talk about Boeing, which surprised investors by reporting its first profitable quarter in nearly two years. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I actually listened to the Boeing CEO uh, this morning on CNBC in his interview. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one, Boeing. You know, they've had so many you know, bad news in terms of delays with the seven eight seven and the and the Maxes. Um, but I think what you saw from the, from the end, and I haven't broken it down, is their defense division is growing significantly, um, and that's been a shining light they've still had orders on the planes. You know, you've know, still got domestic fronts that are continuing to grow. And the one thing that I'll point out about Boeing that may give it some potential upside mm-hmm. is they haven't had a new order from China in five years. So both mm-hmm. Boeing and Airbus had a new order from Chinese airlines in five years. Now, you've got to think that the Chinese airlines are on the end of that renewal phase and will have to buy some planes to, you know, cater for their domestic internal growth. They've just built a a shiny new airport out of Shanghai and once we get back to some type of normalcy you're going to see an increase in numbers there and Chinese airlines are going to require planes. Now they have one of two choices really, Boeing and Airbus. So I think that really gives you some potential upside um, in the Boeing share price in the sale of new planes. They've just got to get safety, I, I, look, I believe they're safe. It's just the question of whether the public believes they're safe. Mm-hmm. And if they fix that, you know, that I think there's a lot of upside in this great company. So a very good report. I mean, look, it wasn't a great report, but it, it surprised on the upside. And that's why we saw a pop. The defense division continues to grow. Mm-hmm. I think that's got a lot of legs in it. Um, this is a company at these levels I would like to hold. Not necessarily increase position, but hold at these levels, definitely. And remember, mm-hmm. you've got to think that their dividend will come back in the next two to three years, which should add you know, significant points to the upside.
0: Absolutely. So industry analysts had expected a sizable loss, but Boeing knocked out a profit for the first time since 2019, we are going to pivot to China in just a while. But a couple more uh, earnings numbers that I want to take a look at. Corporate profits up. McDonald's. Now, we previewed this one for you yesterday on Market View Minute with me. And as we expected, McDonald's new chicken sandwich and its tie-up with BTS, the phenomenal K-pop band, has given a solid boost to its profit. Now, one company that's not doing as well is Yum China. Yum owns KFC, Pizza Hut and more. But it seems that Chinese consumers are not not eating out as much as American consumers. So Yum! China's sales rose in the second quarter of the year, but only by 5%, below market expectations. What comes to mind when you think of uh, McDonald's?
1: I mean, i got to say, I love a bit of Macca's, between <laughs> you and I. Um, who doesn't love a bit of mac? Yeah, look, McDonald's is just no longer a fast food company. You know, this is a digital tech firm. Uh, mm. You know, their investment in, in digital has paid off Significantly, You can see it from the numbers. You know, revenue up 5.8 versus 5.5. EPC, uh, EPS 23. You know, same store sales were up. This was a really good report by a great company that continues to grow. And the investment in digital, I think, um, is a real sign. And they've been doing that for a number of years. But what also Mac has done, and the chicken sandwich, you know, ch- chicken, chicken sandwiches are the big crave across North America, around the world. Right. What they've also done, Really localize their product mm. for the domestic that you're using, which is a very smart play. And they've also diversified into other things. I mean, one of their largest sales revenue or growth revenues is McCafe and coffee around the world and muffins. So, you know, McDonald's is not just a place where you get a cheap burger anymore, it's a place where you get multiple things. You know, you can get apples here and I really think, you know, in in the next 10 years, you're going to be going to McDonald's and they're going to be serving you on a plate with a knife and fork if you choose to do so. So this is a great company. I think if you compare it to Yum Brands Mm -hmm. um, and you want to talk about China and and its slowing growth in terms of this, I think what is happening in China is as you start to urbanise populations like they are doing, you tend to get um, a move towards healthier eating and that's what's happening in some of the biggest cities like Shanghai and Beijing, as middle income growth grows, you you start to think healthier about what you do and how you go about it. So that usually leads to a drop in earnings. And we kind of saw the same thing in North American countries with some of these companies. So I think that's actually a growing trend within China. Middle class growing, you start to think about, you've got more money in your pocket. You know, you don't need to eat as McDonald's and Taco Bell and KMC as much as as you want. They've also had a couple of health scares within China, particularly with KFC, um, which has kind of affected the brand uh, within China. But I think this is more of a sign of maturing of the Chinese economy Mm -hmm. rather than a lack of growth in the Chinese economy domestically.
0: All right, we're still looking at stocks that made the biggest moves pre-market. We've looked at McDonald's, Boeing, Facebook. I want to turn now to Spotify, which is reporting weak growth in the number of its monthly users. Its shares fell more than 6% overnight. Jack, over to you.
1: Yeah, uh, I haven't had a chance to unpack the earnings on Spotify uh, too much. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, this has been a phenomenal company that's been growing uh, for a long time. The only thing I can say is there's a lot of competition for your earpiece, um, if you know what I mean. And and this is a a trend. We listen a lot more than we, you know, watch because of our busy lives. You know, ask me. I've been run over, you know, multiple times anymore listening listening to you know my earphones. Mm -hmm. I just think you have growing competition. You know, you've got your services sector within your phone. Um, You've got YouTube Premium now, which you can listen to without the ad. You've got to pay a premium for it. You've got, you know, radio stations, you've got great places like yourself. So there is a growing competition for, you know, gaining someone's ear. um, And it's not necessarily a high margin business. And that Mm. may be affecting, um, you know, short term. So, look, it has had a phenomenal run in the midst of a pandemic You know, off the top of my head, it's not something I'd be buying at these levels
0: right now. Always terrific insight from Jack Koozie, Director of Strategy at the VFS Group, joining us live this morning from Sydney. Now, from corporate profits back to the economy, I need to step back for the big picture. The U.S. Federal Reserve has concluded its monthly meeting. No change yet in interest rates or its bond purchasing program. No surprise on that front. But Fed Chair Jerome Powell did give some indications about tightening credit and his views on the economy as an investor jack what did you take away
1: mm, nothing <laughs> i mean the market can take away uh, look this is you know this is a thread the needle kind of moment for the fed i think and it's all about inflation I mean, that is, that is what we are looking at. Now, if you look at how the bond market is reacting and mm. how growth stocks, which are supposed to be you know, non, you know, not, not, not helpful in an inflationary environment, you know, they're telling us that inflation is transitory and is not going to be around. I think that's what the Fed is waiting for. Now, the last inflation number we saw out of the US was hot. It was really hot. Mm-hmm. But if you break it apart, You'll see that you know almost a third of it was made up of car sales. Yep, um, used cars. Yep. What we are st- yeah, what we are starting to see is an easing pressure on semis, even though you know companies like Apple forewarned about you know semiconductor shortage shortages. I actually think we're breaking through that supply chain, um, and that we're going to see a renewed supply of semis, particularly in the auto industry, which is where it's needed. Now, you've got to remember. You know, the the semiconductor companies went towards the high-end semis and that's where they wanted to be, things like your phone and and, and your AI and robotics. They're now segmenting back to the car market, which is a different type of um, semiconductor. I also look at oil, you know, and that's a big chunk of where we're seeing inflationary pressures and I actually think that'll start to dissipate and you get some demand pull on that. I'm still a believer that inflation is transitory um and that we will see past this and the deflationary pressures that were there before the pandemic are still there but the reserve the federal reserve has started to reduce liquidity and has been on a liquidity reduction for the last couple of months so this is nothing new to like now it hasn't been a massive liquidity reduction but they have started to remove themselves from the money supply so interest rates are going up i can say that you know in, I can tell you for sure they are going up. I just don't see them going up in 2022. I think maybe at the end of 2022, early 2023, we will see a movement right? And the market's already forecasting that. So I think they're waiting on the inflation figures. Now, my biggest concern, Michelle, as an mm. investor mm-hmm. and as a manager of money, is if we get into August and September and inflation numbers are still running hot, you know, I, I might have to change my perspective on that. Oh. Um, but at the moment, I think they are running the course. I believe in my boy J Powell. Uh he's gonna he's gonna ride us through this. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna thread the needle He's you to get me wrong.
0: All right, so uh, Jerome Powell warming many hearts, saying the Fed is nowhere near considering a rate hike. I want to pivot now to big news in Asia, and indeed the world, because of its ramifications. China's security regulator conducted a hastily convened call with executives from major investment banks last night. They're trying to ease market fears about Beijing's crackdown on the private education industry. Investors, meanwhile, are dumping major Chinese tech shares. Mainlanders have sold off several billion dollars Worth of 10 cents and Meituan shares. This according to Bloomberg. So, Jack, does this mean stay away from Chinese shares or do you see a buying opportunity?
1: Well, let me be clear. Um, I believe this is a once in generational buying opportunity to buy some of these companies. Now, you may have to deal with a bit of volatility um, and some overarching regulation, but I really feel this, this is a once in generation. So, let's unpack what's happened here. Mm-hmm. It has been, I mean, you look at markets when you've been in the markets for so long, and you look at days that you will remember forever. And I can remember, you know, the six, seven crash. There were many days that I remember during that time as an early, you know, young whippersnapper coming up into the markets. The last two days, particularly on Asian markets, will be days to remember. Uh, Tuesday was just an unbelievable day. You've got to remember. We came off the back of a 4% move on the Hang Seng. And then the next day on Tuesday, it was indiscriminate selling. It didn't matter what it was, Michelle. Mm-hmm. It was just sell at all costs. Volumes were through the roof. We saw some of these shining stocks, you know, do five to six times their average volume in a day. What a um, Now, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a route. So there's a couple of interesting points that you make. Um, when you asked me that question. You saw the Chinese national media really mobilise um, in the last 24 hours because their citizens own some of these stocks and have been buyers. And that's the key point. If you look at the net buyers of Chinese stocks in the last two to three days, the net buyers have been domestic citizens from China. Sorry, that's my kids in the background, if so you can hear them.
0: Mm.
1: The net, net, net buyers have been domestic citizens from China. Now that's a combination of retail buyers managed funds and investment banks so what we are starting to see is a transition of wealth from the west to the east what you're also seeing in the midst is a decoupling a continued decoupling from china and the u.s and there's a couple of notions here if you're a chinese investor and this is why i think u.s ipos chinese u.s ipos are dead we're not going to see them anymore in the last two to three or four years you've seen your national champions like like Didi and countless other companies listing US and unable for yourself to buy them or take advantage in your national champions. So China is bringing their companies home, and Didi is a you know a slap across the wrist for, for not doing that. But what you're also seeing is a movement of Chinese buyers into these into these companies now. The point I try to make here is do you believe China is not a significant part of the global economy? I still believe they do. Mm -hmm. Do you believe they are still a driver of global economy and global growth? I still believe I do, and tech is at the heart of that. And what you've seen in this industry and selling, I believe is a real good buying opportunity if you have a long-term approach in the market. Now, we may see some more regulation and some more crackdown on these tech companies. But um, I can tell you that we were a buyer for our our clients, and I was a buyer personally over the last couple of days. Now, I've been a buyer for a long time, um, but I think there is some value in some of these companies. And, And here's the other thing that I'll say. Americans will not stop buying Chinese companies. The Western world will not stop buying Chinese companies if there is value in them and the balance sheets uh, and the balance sheets look up and there is you know money to be made you will see movement of foreign equity, of foreign money in there that will not stop because of what has happened to Didi and, and other things so if you're prepared to take a long-term view i think this is like i said peter a once in generation opportunity to buy some of the greatest companies in the world in my opinion
0: absolutely terrific insight jack thank you so much for joining us this morning and we'll speak to you again soon
1: Thank you, Michelle. You have a lovely day. and I'll see
0: you next month. All right. Jacuzzi Director of Strategy at the VFS Group joining us live from Sydney. Before acting on the information on MoneyFM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.